Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Hey there, it's the week of Christmas. Welcome back to Recovery Sort Of. It's Jason and, of course, Billy. Hey, how's it going? And uh, we're still figuring that out. I heard some other podcasts where they actually introduce themselves one at a time. Maybe we'll do that one time, see how we like that. Um, if I sound a little, uh, I don't know, nasally, throaty, something, I, I am a little bit sore in the throat. So that might be affecting me. But really, I'm, I'm super excited, right? And for the, the most ridiculous reason ever. Um, so when we started putting this podcast out, uh, I have done more of the, the background stuff of like, you know, writing what the podcast is about and setting it up and publishing it. Um, and so when I published like the first episode, it asked me, uh, you know, to put a season number and episode number. And I just, you know, put season one, episode one when we started. And I was like, from the second I did that, I started thinking, well, when do we go to episode two? I mean, <laughs> season two, right? So when do we hit season two? How many episodes are in a season? Like, I don't know. Uh, and of course, so what I want is to be established. It's just like when I, when I got clean, I had six days clean and I wanted 10 years clean. Right. And so now I'm like, I, I just started a podcast two months ago and now I want 10 years of podcasting and back history. And so I'm like, well, we need to get on season two now. Right. So 10 episodes is perfect for a season. So right now we're on episode 10 and I'm like, fucking right. That's it's end of season one. Right. It's time to move on to season two. And the reality of that is, is the more I've thought about it is that's fucking ridiculous. Like <laughs> Billy mentions it every time I bring it up to him. I'm like, bro, how many episodes till we get to season two? And he's like, why the fuck do we need seasons? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause it seems to make sense. So now I am almost bought into the fact that we are going to have one season with 486,000 <laughs> episodes, uh, and that might be even more fun. Um, so I just wanted to say, yeah. and it's funny too, because Jason does a lot of the work and it's great. I really appreciate it, but I'm like the laziest one. I'm just like, dude, I just want to show up and have a conversation <laughs> and then go the fuck home and not really, you know, not that I don't want to think about it. Cause I think about things I want to talk about and I think about ideas and stuff, but as far as, you know, what do you call it? Like, uh, doing a bunch of work, uh, like advertising and promoting and all that stuff. Like I try to do a little bit here and there, mention it to people, but I'm not really invested into to production. That's the word I'm thinking of, production. I feel like a lot of production starts to make stuff cheap and it starts to mess up the essence of what we're doing, which what we're really trying to do, I feel like, is have conversations about recovery. <laughs> right. No, and I agree. Uh, I think these conversations become richer with more voices involved yeah uh, and i'm not god my voice is like cracking over here it's rough um i'm gonna be embarrassed about that like i'm a teenager with a voice change um so i maybe like look here's the fact we might end up with a few people that listen and decide to comment frequently and i might 
start to change my mind and think, I don't like all these fucking opinions. Right? <laughs> right. I don't know. Like I might only really enjoy my opinion. I have right. no idea. But I, I keep thinking that if we get more input from, you know, the, the listening audience uh, and more people's opinions and more sides to the story, like, you know, one thing you pointed out to me before, and, and I completely agree with this, like we have a little lack of diversity in here. We're, we're two white guys, right? And around the same age, um, younger people, women, people of color, of any different color, different backgrounds, different religions, different anything, right? I think that does make conversations interesting. I will say I went to uh, UMBC and they have a very multicultural uh, student body. Right. And what I loved about it was I don't realize how little I know about different people until I'm around different people and exposed to some of their ideas and upbringings. And it's kind of incredible because I do tend to be egotistical and think everybody's just like Hmm. me and thinks like me. Hearing these other backgrounds really has the ability to open my fucking mind to some new shit. And I as much as I don't like that at times, I really do like that. I enjoy having new things exposed to me. You know, I, I, I'm like, holy shit, really? That, that's what it's like growing up in your country? That's crazy. Yeah, and as I've gotten older um, in the last several years, like I've really gotten interested in different cultures. So I spend a lot of time, you know, on like PBS has tons of cool documentaries just about different cultures, different, you know, people, different places, how they live in these different, you know, areas and and I find that stuff fascinating. So I've really tried to open my mind to that stuff as I've gotten older. Right. Um, because cultural wise, like, so I grew up in Baltimore City in a predominantly white neighborhood in the city. Mm-hmm. I went to a private Catholic school, which I had, you know, there was a few, uh, you know, people that weren't white, but predominantly it was mostly a lot of white kids. And I had actually one of my best friends was a black kid that, you know, I used to hang out with, but, uh, then I moved to rising sun, Maryland, which at the time was like the home of the Ku Klux Klan, you know, is what Maryland was known for or what rising sun was known for back in the eighties when we moved there. And that had nothing to do with why my family moved there. It just coincidentally was where they found a house in the country. Um, so it was so weird. I've just kind of really grown up in very, uh, vanilla cultural places you know (laughs) like i haven't grown up around many different cultures or experiences so and i didn't realize what i was missing until i got older and then i was like wait a minute there's lots of cool cultures out there to to study and explore and look into and it's It's, been fascinating it is it's fucking interesting so here's something that happened to me uh you know i went to a meeting you did a couple weeks ago and i and i laughed because you shared early in the meeting that you're not this uh you know, speaker that's from the city so much that might be a little, you know, louder and, and bang on tables or something. And I, and we laughed and talked afterwards about how I didn't really think of me, that being me as a speaker in general. Um, but maybe it was once you described it in that way. And so I had this experience where I just did a meeting this past Wednesday and I recorded it uh, with the thought that maybe I'll throw it on this podcast or we haven't really decided that yet in fact we were supposed to talk about that and we haven't um or maybe we'll put it in a different podcast somewhere of solo th- who the fuck knows right but listening to this share that i had from wednesday all i could hear was my baltimore accent and i'm like <laughs> oh my fucking god right i don't i hear myself as this prim proper gentleman that speaks very eloquently right 
And honestly, now that I have heard myself on on tape or on recorded uh, device, I don't speak that way. I speak a little urban, and I was not aware of that. And I I, I don't know how I feel about it. Honestly, I, it kind of shocked me a little bit. So yeah, we had actually talked about that. So I have listened to every podcast that we've done after we put them out. I will wait a couple of days because I want to try to kind of get my head out of the conversation again. So I'll usually wait till like Wednesday and then I'll listen to it again a couple of days on my ride to work. You know, usually two, three days I can get through it. Um, and it's amazing. So in the beginning, like most people, I hate my voice. I hate the way I sound recorded. It doesn't sound the way that I think it sounds in my head. Right. And those accents and things that I don't hear in my head, you know, exist when they're on yeah. the radio and different speech or talking patterns that I have come out, you know, and it's been fascinating to kind of work through that to be like, now I listen to my voice basically once a week and right. uh, I'm okay with it now. You know, mm. I've, I've worked through like the uncomfortableness <laughs> of listening to myself recorded and I don't think it's so bad. And it's like most of those experiences, there's a thing of, humility there you know it's like it's not near as good as i want it to be but it's not as bad as i thought it would be either you know it's it's somewhere in the middle and after listening to a few shows and just paying attention to some things i'm like well that's just a part of who i am and i can be okay with that you know well i i will try to uh just be okay with my my (laughs) accent then i i don't know it's a little weird i guess at some point we'll get that set up um you know so uh, I just realized while we were talking, though, obviously, season two starts in 2020, right? That <laughs> yeah. makes the most fucking sense. Season one is just a shortened version because it's not oh. a whole year. But then we can easily <clears throat> keep track of how long we've been doing this. Oh, I which... think 52 episodes, and then we do a season. That's a oh, year. Fuck. We're going to do 52 episodes, and then we're at season two. God, do you know how impatient <laughs> I am? I can't do that. Um yeah, I don't I don't even know that matters. I will say that like we kind of have some plans about what we're doing with this in the future. Not a whole lot. We got a shit ton of ideas, right? Nah. Maybe we'll do a cliche a week. Maybe we'll do a slogan sh- episode. <clears throat> we're definitely like mulling around the idea and I really think we should uh, do a step each month next yeah, year i I'm, think I'm really think yeah. that's a good idea um, and i've been asking different like talking to different people about trying to get some different people to come on to have conversations about right. different things people that i know are involved in other recovery pathways mm. people that i know have more uh diversified points of view on recovery things than i do right uh just some some people like that that you know, I think would be interesting to talk to about some of this stuff. No, absolutely. I agree. I'm almost curious how far we're willing to take the differences of opinion. Like, do we want people who aren't in recovery on the episode? Do we want people who have family members in recovery to come in? I don't know. That's interesting. Um, But yeah, that's one of the things really. So while we're over here planning like, hey, we want a step of the month. We think that'll be useful. Um, while we do enjoy just doing this for the the fuck of babbling to each other because it's enjoyable, it would also be nice if this was useful. And so, you know, anybody who tends to listen or, or slightly enjoys it and has any idea about what they'd like to hear, we would we would greatly love to hear, you know, what we could do that might be useful for anyone out there. Um, that being said, I, we've already wasted, like, not wasted, but we've definitely not talked about anything relevant for 11 minutes um 
So I want to, one of the things that really popped up this week, uh, of course, you know, Christmas on the brain. Um, my wife and I start Christmas shopping pretty early. We're, we're some planned folks. Uh, I honestly personally like to think I'm a planned folk and she just happens to be a part of that. <laughs> so she lucks into that part of it. Um, but like the end of November, I'm, I'm online starting to order presents and we've like got different notes that we share on Google keep and, and like, you know, planned out for how much to spend on each child of ours. And we're writing down what it is and when we bought it and how much we spent and subtracting that from the total and then checking it off when the package actually comes in the mail. And it's, <laughs> it's really organized. Right. But we always plan a day each year where she'll take off of work and her and I will actually go to like a mall to shop for Christmas presents. And generally just like it was this year, most of our shopping is already done by that point. This is like stocking stuffers for the kids or just maybe one or two bigger gifts. And, and we go out and we have breakfast in the morning and then we get a coffee and we just walk the mall and experience the 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 Christmas uh, attitude, I guess, you know, the ambiance of everything that's going on. It's nice on a weekday when it's not so much hustle and bustle. It's not quite as bad. Um and, and it's really, really fucking enjoyable, right? I hated Christmas when I got clean because all I had done is ever missed it. I skipped all the holidays. Uh, I was too embarrassed and ashamed. I didn't actually buy gifts for people. I never had money to spend on anything but, you know, using. Um, and so I just didn't want to show up for any of that. And to have that 180 in my life over time where I really... I really enjoy looking for gifts for people, like just considering what would this person like? What's it going to be like possibly when this person opens this and finds this gift underneath the wrapping paper? Um, it really means a lot to me, right? Yeah. And, and even though I 100% hate fucking consumerism, <laughs> uh, when done within my means, I can really appreciate the entirety of Christmas. Uh, and the spirit that goes along with it. And so that's where I figured we'd start this week. Yeah, I am. So I was thinking of Christmas in the context of you had spoke about a couple of episodes ago about when you write papers, how you wait till the very last minute and then yes. you write the paper and you've just gotten OK with being that. Mm -hmm. That's me at Christmas. Like <laughs> I wait until the very last you know, a couple of days to whatever weekend, like this is the last weekend before Christmas. Yeah. So I'll be out shopping this weekend and uh, we'll be wrapping all the presents on Christmas Eve, you know, trying mm -hmm. to get stuff all wrapped and, you know, Jen's planning. My wife is planning weeks ahead of time and trying to make lists and organize. I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, it's fine. It's whatever. Right. And that's just the way that I do it. And it used to stress me out. And now I'm like, oh, that's just the way it is, you know, I don't stress too much about Christmas, partially because I am against some of the consumerism. Mm. And, and so I had a little bit different attitude this year. Like I used to think, well, why do we need excuses to get together with family and people that we love? You know, why do we need these excuses to do it when they all live around us and they're right around? We can do it any time. Do we really need some fake, I, you know, celebration to do that? Right. Do we got to make some shit up and go spend a bunch of money to do that? And then I realized like, well, kind of, yeah, that's the truth, you know, yeah. because when I'm caught up in my everyday life, you know, it's like I'm trying to work and come home and take care of responsibilities. And then we got baseball on the weekend or this thing or so-and-so's, 
you know, birthday party or whatever. And you just get busy going by the day-to-day stuff. And I'll talk to my sister in passing. I might talk to my niece in passing, you know, family that's around. I might run into my dad for some reason. But we don't really uh, get together and like sit down with no other agenda than to spend time together. And the holidays seem to do that, you know, right. they seem to, and maybe it is an excuse. And I never got that. I don't think until this year, like I got, oh yeah, this is why like my mom really liked doing that. This is why my sister really likes doing that, you know, because for me, it was always like, we would host some things at our house. Like, man, it's going to be a ton of work and we got to get the house already. It's going to be all this food you got to make and dishes. Right. And it just seemed like a hassle. Um, and now I can appreciate what it's for. Um, another, I think part of that for me was I grew up in a retail family. My parents owned a retail business, like a store mm-hmm. in a shopping mall, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of years. And I worked for them for a lot of years. So it, my typical Christmas for myself and watching them was work 60, uh, 70 hours a week. You know what I mean? You're working late hours all the time. It's busy. You're, it's just was stressful and right you know and it was good for the business because you'd get the black friday and that would be great but it really wasn't relaxing you know and now i'm at a point in my life where you know well that's not true i work in a seasonal job like i work for a heating cooling company so when it's cold we're busy this year it's freaking cold around christmas so we're extra busy um so it's been a little more hectic but same i've been at work like kind of whistling and singing christmas carols and People keep bringing in all this food that we keep eating. And I've really had a pretty good overall demeanor about Christmas and try to be really positive about it and uh, just enjoy it. You know what I mean? A couple of weeks out of the year. A lot of people like it. You know, you can buy a humbug it if you want and stomp around and hate it, but it doesn't make it go away. So might as well just appreciate it. (laughs) <laughs> I, I definitely hated it when I got here and not to not to super expound on what I already said, but I definitely hated it when I got here. Right. I had skipped every family event for years and I never had gifts for anybody. I just felt like I wanted to avoid the whole thing. And then when I finally got here and had the ability to truly give back, to do something for somebody else. And it, and it started with the closest people to me. Right. Mom and dad the people I had hurt the most. And it was like, fuck, I actually have the means to do something for them. Hmm. And it felt so good. And it has grown. I I definitely, I think Christmas with children is a huge part of it for me. Like I've just really fallen in love with the whole season. Right. I I love, and it's funny, you mentioned that the idea, and I feel like I'm just a little scattered tonight. Um, Maybe, maybe the sore throat (laughs) goes along with being sick or something and I'm not all here. You mentioned not understanding why we needed an excuse to get together. And I can remember looking at like Valentine's Day like that. Like I like calling things out for being a bunch of bullshit, right? Like Valentine's Day, that's a bunch of bullshit, right? Because Created by Hallmark. Right? Because people <laughs> should definitely be loving each other all 365 days of the year. Why are we going to single out one day? That's fucking stupid. We can go out and wait in line to get a fucking table to eat somewhere. Blah, blah, fucking blah, right? I always want to call something out for being bullshit, but the truth is I'm not going and taking my wife out to eat the other 364 days of the year. Right. Same thing you just said. Like, do we fucking need Christmas to have an excuse to get together with family? You know how often I see my family, Billy once a fucking year. At Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Obviously yeah. we do. Maybe we need Christmas part two in fucking May yeah. just so we can like spread it out. I don't know, but 
whatever it is about the holiday season, man, I have definitely bought in. Uh, I love the entirety of the season, the idea of spending time with my family. We try to do things like go see train gardens or go look at holiday lights. Um, I just feel close to my family during that time. Now, I will say that comes with a drawback, and that's the fact that after I do this month-long preparation for these gifts, right? Mm -hmm. And then after about an hour, they're all opened and I'm fucking left with like, oh, it's all over now. Fuck. Right. <laughs> and it's kind of depressing. It wow. really is. And then it leads wow. into January, which is like less football, American football, if you're somewhere else. Uh, and it's really depressing. Honestly, it's kind of like as all this build up for this one morning of 45 minutes of time and then it's over and you're wow. like, Post-Christmas depression. I'm I wonder if that's a you, thing. It is now. I'm going <laughs> to fucking invent it, right? When I have get to my, create a therapy for post-Christmas depression. When I get my uh, my therapy license here in a few years, I, that will be what I studied. Post-Christmas <laughs> depression. So uh, I know we always look forward to skiing, so I love the winter. I, I like snow. I like the winter, you know, and of course, January, February are the best times to go skiing. Right. So um, the kids and I love, love the winter. Uh, yeah, I think for me, too, Christmas has become um, – so I never had those experiences with Christmas. I always – I still functioned well, I would say, as an addict, mm -hmm. other than getting arrested and going to jail. Right. But, like, I was someone who could always hold a job. I had a job all the whole time that I used. I mean, it was probably not my best. It was getting high in the bathroom and shit and going right. out on my lunch breaks and drinking and stuff like that. But I worked, you know. I maintained a job and did well enough that they never fired me. Right. Um, and I always showed up for family stuff. I was always there. And it, I think the difference for me was it used to feel like such a burden and an obligation to be like, oh, God, I got to go to this thing or else my mom's not going to give me my gifts, you know, because I wanted mm. stuff. It was probably very selfishly right. motivated was the only reason for going. And uh, changing some of that up to new motivations, you know, to to realize and like, oh yeah, it's important to spend time with my family. You know, those things are important. I never used to think they were. I used to feel like this totally alone and isolated person, mm. you know, and I didn't realize the value of having the love and support of other people. And what recovery's taught me is we are all like, and I think it's missing in a lot of people's lives today. We are a, like a community and a tribe. And I have different communities depending on where I'm at, you know, I have the support of like, or different families, I would say I have my recovery family. That's my friends, you know, people that I know in my home group, guys that I sponsor, my sponsor, you know, and, and people that I'm close with in recovery. And those people are like a family to me. Right. And then I have my, you know, blood family, my sister, you know, her um, boyfriend, you know, my nieces, my nephews, you know, my brother, his wife, like my dad, you know, my immediate family that are people that I'm close to that love and support me in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, there, the relationship there is very different than it is with people in recovery, but no less valuable, you right. know, and that investing into each of those different families is important, you know, because not having them, um, I think we suffer in our spirits and I don't know that our society right now uh, appreciates the importance of those relationships, especially, and we've talked about this a few times, especially with all the online stuff. Mm. It feels like I can get the same thing by joining some chat group of a bunch of people that we all like 
you know, who knows the Ravens, we're all like the Ravens. So that's all my friends, right? you know, but you don't get those relationships online. You don't get that closeness of a family or a community. Like you get when you actually sit down with people, eat food, you know, actually look at each other and have conversations. <laughs> you know, those are important, important things, I think, in our genetics, you know, in right. our DNA, that we are social creatures, communal creatures. And when you don't have those love and support bonds, you know, you suffer as a result. Yeah, I would I would absolutely agree. I, I think we are, you know, and it's been said so many different ways by so many different people and, and research and everything else that we, we don't exist you know, in a bubble, like we do basically thrive amongst others, right? And we need that communication and being cut off from that can uh, do bad things for our brains, right? Yeah. And I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. so, and to keep this towards recovery. So what I realized when, when I was using, I isolated a lot because that was a defense mechanism, you know, because a lot of the crowds that I ran in and the people that I ran around with, they weren't necessarily looking out for my best interests and I wasn't looking out for their best interests. You know, right. I'm only looking out for me. And if you got something I want, I'm going to try to take it. And I was never a big fighter guy. So I wasn't that angle. I was the try to manipulate and cheat you out of it. And you know, the guy that was, I'd steal your shit and then help you look for it. Like right. I was that more that guy. And, uh, you know, that defense mechanism of I just need me by myself. I got to isolate and I don't want relationships. I don't want, you know, I put up all these walls and separated myself from people because I felt like that kept me safe. Yeah, um, it was definitely protection. And it took some work in recovery to start to slowly lower those walls. And then not only to lower them, but to start inviting people in, you know, allowing right. people in um, to, to not... Uh, to build better relationships with people that were less likely to hurt me, you know, is, is what it boiled down to. Because anytime you let down your guard and invite people in, there's a potential for getting hurt. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a lot of uh, why I shielded myself from people that that self-centered fear that if you know who I really am, you're going to hurt me and dislike me. Right. And I need to protect myself from that at all costs. And so. I'll just keep everybody at a distance and put on the mask I need to put on to impress whoever it is that's around, give you what I think you want to hear and see, and uh, and hopefully I'll be okay and get by. <clears throat> um, I just actually shared about that in the meeting before I came over here to meet mm -hmm. you. I was talking about the fourth step and how there was some stuff in my fourth step that I was just going to take to the grave. Like nobody was ever going to hear about it because it was too embarrassing, right? Too shameful. And then to have that experience of working the four step and having to share it with my sponsor, because I believed it just had to be done. Right. And to have him accept me in spite of it and to share some of his shit that he thought was pretty awful that I thought was stupid and didn't bother me at all about him. Right. Not stupid, but it was like, it wasn't, it didn't change my opinion of him. Right. right? And, and not okay. to stop your flow of thought there, but I think either must sponsor all boring fucking people and my using must be super fucking boring. Cause I always hear about these great revelations that are actually supposed to come out in the fifth step. And I didn't have any great ones and nobody's sharing any great ones with me. So, well, that, like uh, you say, that are so terrible and right. you know, horrible. I mean, it's and, not that I terrible. Know. I shared it in an open meeting tonight, right. but yes. when I got here, it was fucking, <laughs> I guess it was, uh, what was that? emasculating is that yeah. What it, yeah when you when you feel like your masculinity is taken away it was hmm. a moment like that for me um and maybe one day i'll share it on here but who I, knows yeah uh so well it came up because uh here i am at the end of my school semester and i always you know hey i don't work steps during my school semester i got papers and shit which is 
probably just a good excuse not to work except <laughs> for a few months. Uh, but the school semester's over, and I found myself a week after that, like, yeah, it's fucking break time. I ain't doing shit. And yeah, the truth is, I need to pick up my step work, right? That's what I need to do. And so I have, uh, I have read step four, which is the next one on the agenda for me, uh, out of three different books this past week, and it is now time to write. So <laughs> you you might get to hear some stuff yeah. soon as I'm going through that. Um, we are getting close to our uh, our time. I did have a couple of things, a little bit more to take with this. So let me just tell you a story real quick. You mentioned always being functional sort of and having a job and all that and being able to produce for Christmas. And what it reminded me of was December 21st. Uh, I guess it was, I, it was either 19 or 20 years ago at this point. It was 1999 or the year 2000 on December 21st. And I woke up that morning and I had no money to get high and at this point, my parents didn't trust me to come in the house, right? If they gave me a fucking sandwich, it was through the kitchen window, mm-hmm. right? Which is pretty sad to think about. And like, so I can laugh at this story now, but I'm, I'm telling it and I get a feeling yeah. it's actually going to be more sad than anything. <laughs> so uh, for the last couple months, I had been sleeping on the porch because I didn't have anywhere else to go and I didn't want to go be homeless somewhere else that seemed dangerous. So mm-hmm. I was just homeless on their porch. Um, and they had a green, like tanning plastic green tanning chair in their backyard. So I moved that up to the porch and I put a sleeping bag on it. And like the mailman would step over me to deliver mail. And I just thought my life was okay. Mm. Uh, The neighbors would see me there. I invited a girl back to my place one night. Like this is how sick I was (laughs) to think that I was all right on this porch. I mean, it's December, it's cold, right? December 21st, I wake up, I have no money. And I, I pull this scheme on my father that I feel really guilty that I'm not going to have Christmas presents for anybody this Christmas. I feel like shit about that. Right. And so I con him out of some money. Of course the money goes to me using, right. So I go get high with this money. And, uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, shit, I don't have any Christmas presents to show him tonight. So I walked up to the grocery store near my house and tried to steal like the, the daily planners. (laughs) Like everybody was going to get daily planners that year. Right. And I actually got caught. And generally they would have just like wrote me a a ticket for a fine or a court date or whatever, but I had a violation of probation and I spent that Christmas locked up. Mm. Um, But that was part of the process of getting to the end of my using, but that's, that's the unfunctional addict that I was right. So just to contrast uh, what you said and we are real close here. So let's go ahead and break for our ad and then we'll, we'll come back and talk some more about this. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. All right. And we are back. I uh, hope you liked the little break from hearing us talk for a second. So to, to wrap this up into some more things that uh, we've been talked about, I talked to my buddy Jack today, who I, I keep trying to convince to be on the show because we have, you know, interesting conversations. So he sends me a picture of a, a greeting card earlier, which was kind of funny. Um, and I was like, man, that's really, you know, that's funny. And he said, we should make recovery greeting cards. And I was like, nah, that's a terrible idea. Cause I think greeting cards are fucking stupid. Right. 
And he's like, really? And I, I said, yeah. He's like, you, you, have you ever gotten a good greeting card and been unhappy with it? And I'm like, no, but. So I was raised uh, with a lot of Catholic shame, right? And I, it doesn't have to be Catholic shame, but that just happens to be where my mother came from was Catholic school. And she was very good at shaming me into behavior modification. Like that was her effective means, right? And so her generation, I feel like, I feel like maybe Hallmark or one of these companies invented the greeting card. And then from there, they sent the message out through advertisement somehow that if you don't send a greeting card, you're a thoughtless motherfucker, right? (laughs) You don't give a shit about anybody. You can't even send a fucking greeting card to somebody, right? And so an entire generation of people got shamed into sending greeting cards to Mm -hmm. people. And so as a backlash to my mother trying to shame me into sending people greeting cards and, and all these other things, I just don't send greeting cards any fucking where. I don't buy greeting cards. Nobody in my family gets greeting cards from me. I think it's ridiculous, right? Fuck Hallmark. If I'll send them a text message and say, hi, happy birthday, miss you, whatever. If I feel it, I'm not going to go buy a goddamn card and mail it to them. I think it's ridiculous. Um, but mostly it's, so look, if I saw a card that I wanted to buy somebody in a store, I would buy it for them. It's not like I, I don't want to buy or I would, you know, just not buy it on principle. I just don't want to be shamed into it. And so the conversation with Jack went into, um, do we really do what we do for Christmas and for greeting cards because we really need or want to? Or do we do it because we feel like we would be ashamed for not participating in what everyone else is doing? And I just thought that was an interesting concept. We could tie into this Christmas thing. Like, do we only get gifts for people because we'd feel shitty if we didn't participate in what everyone else is doing? Yeah, that's interesting. So on greeting cards, immediately what I think of is, to me, it seems like the greeting card came out of like, in a time of letter writing, it was like the fucking lazy man's letter writing. Like, yeah. hey, you don't have to write a letter anymore. <laughs> we'll just write one for you. And right. You can just stick your name on it, stick it in an envelope. So greeting cards, or maybe they were the first memes or whatever. There like, you go. <laughs> the first memes you could get. Um, but I try to think back to times where we've done, I'm thinking specifically Christmas, not all greeting cards, but Christmas at times I've done Christmas cards and mailed them out to the whole family and times we've received Christmas cards from different members of our family. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now we don't get any Christmas cards uh, from anyone really, mostly because we just bought the house that we're in now a few months ago and two years before (laughs) that, yeah, three years before that we were traveling around all over the place and nobody even knew where we were. Right. Um, So a lot of family members just stopped sending us cards altogether for that reason. How do you send mail to a traveling, uh, you know, mobile home? (laughs) I I really have always wondered that. Do you have an address? Is that possible? Uh, So we had all our mail went to my parents. Mm. Um, There wasn't really anything too important. And then we would have, we would get a mailbox, post office box, or the different campgrounds that we worked at. Some of them, you could just get mail sent right to the campground. You work it out. You know, there are different services you can get and stuff too that'll forward your mail. There are actually specific (laughs) services for people that travel all the time that you just go online, tell them where you're at, and they get your mail and just make sure it gets to where you're at. I don't want to get us too far in left field, but I'm really curious now. Uh, Do you... Do you have a lot of mail when you have a mobile home? Like, do you have a lot of bills that need to be mailed to you or things like that? Well, no. And mostly because I hate mail in general, 
Um, I tried to always get all the bills electronically right. anyway. Anytime there's a paperless option, you know, I, I do that. And I wish I could say it's because I love the environment and trees, but it really has way more to do with I hate the clutter and coming home and sorting through, you know, <laughs> 15 things and and then you know when you open a utility bill it's like eight pages of shit that you don't really like all you care about is how much fucking money do i owe you like right you don't care about the 17 other things that are in there i don't know that anybody reads all that stuff Only but anyway it seems like too much it seems like yeah right then i'm looking at every <laughs> right. detail trying to figure out why i owe you 700 dollars. um so we would just I hate mail in general. <laughs> so I've gotten electronic mail. Like I was, I've always been an on technology person. So as soon as there's an option to just get shit emailed and pay online and do all that, I am all about it. Right. Um, so we had very limited mail anyway. And then most of the stuff we would get was not important. Um, so anyway. Oh, well, so when we, yeah, now I forgot greeting cards. So I Used to we used to get them family members. The ones I liked the best were the ones that were like pictures of people in their family. Right. Mostly because a lot of the people I didn't see that often, and it was just nice to fucking see what they look like. Right. You know? And so those were the cards that I always liked to send. Were cards with pictures of my family in them. I felt like if I was going to take the effort to send any kind of Christmas card, I wanted it to be some kind of personal. Mm -hmm. You know. And uh, now we haven't done that for a few years. We haven't sent cards. We haven't received cards. Um, and I gotta be honest, I kind of miss it. There's certain members of my family that that was probably one of the few communications that we would have. And when I sent the cards, I would always try to write like, so I got this from my great grandmother and it was a guilt trip from my parents. So <laughs> my great grandparents, um, did pretty well financially. And every year they would send us a, you know, a few hundred dollars, like $500 or something, which is a decent present to get from someone that you see once every three years you know? i mean we didn't even see them that often they lived in florida they sent this to you or the whole family yeah no to me like i would get 500 my brother would get 500 my parents would get whatever this, they this would was get your grandparents yeah my grandparents do they need another grandkid yeah <laughs> they're passed away now Damn. so anyway um so you know my dad was always super big and my mom was like look you gotta write a thank you letter to them or you will stop getting money you know my it was actually my great grandparents my grandparents it was actually my great grandparents right. and my great grandmother was like if you didn't send her a thank you card you would she would cross you off the list you know next year right. so it became a thing and the thank you notes had to be somewhat personal oh yeah so then it became a thing where i'm going to take a little bit of effort at least for her to write hey this is what's going on with the kids this is and she loved it you know, oh, five hundred dollars. Really, she get that. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah. And it, well, it was just a way of, like, I when I got clean, I started to appreciate. Like, this is someone who doesn't owe me anything. That's willing right. to give me something, and all they're asking for is a little bit of thought. You know what yeah. I mean? A little thoughtfulness in return. Right. So I tried to repay that and do that, and then that turned into. Well, there's quite a few family members that I used to be close with growing up, cousins and people that I used to like. We always got along. You know, we had good relationships. We just got older and kind of drifted apart. So I would take, and it wasn't, I mean, total, it would be an hour to do 20 cards. Hey, how's it going? Kids are getting big, you know, whatever. If I was to do one now, Abby's driving, you know, it's great. She's working and driving. Sophie's going to cut. You're just something, a couple lines about each kid. We're living right. in Elkton. We settled back down and bought a house, blah, 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 blah. Hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas. 
you know, and I would try to write something like that in each one. Handwrite, can't Photoshop, you know, fucking handwrite each one. <laughs> and uh, it felt like it meant something. There was some intention behind it. Right. Um, and I haven't done that. So we don't get any Christmas cards and we don't send any Christmas cards. And I, this year I was like, well, I kind of missed that. Right. <laughs> um, and again, I think it, it goes back to that same thing we talked about in the first half of, those are ways that we keep these connections, you know, that we build these bridges and connections with, with people mm-hmm. um, when they're made to be personal. I think if you're just fucking buying a card off the shelf and shoving it in an envelope and sticking it in the mail out of some kind of guilt thing, then it's fucking meaningless. You know, it means nothing. Right. But if you're really actively saying like, hey, I'm going to invest into this relationship, even this five minutes of time to be you know, a halfway thoughtful person, then it can be very beneficial and very meaningful in a way to keep connections. You know, it's all in how you use it, whether it's a good tool or a bad tool. No, absolutely. It's, uh, it is hard to invest in relationships. So we did a similar thing. Uh, we moved into taking our own pictures of the kids and, you know, supposedly funny Christmas scenarios, uh, to send out as Christmas cards. All and wearing the same ugly sweater. That same one, ugly sweater. <laughs> I think one of them had, uh, I had my, my oldest son tying up his two older sisters and Christmas lights, you know, tried to go yeah. for the funny concepts. And and it was a little I could see that like I didn't like it at the time. I bitched about having to do it, um, but I could see where I kind of maybe miss it a little bit. Yeah. Like we haven't done it for a couple years either, you know, just for some some other reasons, really no good reason. Just kind of fell out of what we were doing. Um, and I didn't mind. But we never we never wrote any real you know, anything on it. And that was kind of what I, part of my problem with it was I feel like we made these Christmas cards and we sent them to the token family members that are supposed to get them. But I didn't really send them to people that I was trying to invest in. I just kind of sent them because this is who we're supposed to send them to. And that's, I guess that was my beef with the the greeting card concept was that we, I always felt like I was just doing it because it was what I was supposed to do, not what I was choosing to invest in. Right. Um, I do have people that I'd like to send pictures of my kids and say, hey, look, it's here. Honestly, a lot of that gets removed in the fact that I have a Facebook and all the, most of those people are on it and already can yeah. see those pictures. So it's why not just post a picture publicly and I don't have to worry about sending out that greeting card to, you know, 30 people and along, something along those lines. Um, well, I think the, the card concept, and I get it, and again, I'm not a big supporter of it, but I think it, it is just that it's a little more of an investment. Right. Like, you know, there's a little more effort that goes into that, at least if you're trying to do something genuine where you're writing something in it or even just signing your name or, you know, whatever, actually taking the effort to put a card. I mean, it takes even less effort to put up a public Facebook post right. than, no, than it, it does. does to take a picture and stick it in the mail. You know, it it's does. like how much less effort can I put into this? seemingly thoughtful interaction i'm gonna make it so that my phone automatically posts it to facebook (laughs) so i don't even have to fucking do it so is that what makes it meaningless like is it become meaningless because it's like the less effort and the less energy and the less thought i have to put into it the more it seems like some kind of obligation like the more it seems just fucking pointless i will buy into that so i don't want to feel shamed into having to do something i don't want to feel like i'm being told or have to do something right that never works for me i just get resentful about it 
Um, but I find that as I move away from, as I finally take my stand and say, I'm not fucking sending them Christmas cards this year. This is total horse shit. Not doing it no more. Two years later, I'm like, fuck, I wouldn't mind sending some of them Christmas cards to a couple people. Like I really care now. Right now that I've removed myself from the, the having to do it. Now I get to choose who I really want to do it for. Right. Um, interestingly enough, like this ties into the whole Facebook birthday update thing. (laughs) That this bothered me for a while, right? That people have no trouble getting their Facebook birthday reminders in the morning and then saying happy birthday on everybody's fucking page and seemingly being considerate, right? And I guess to some extent they are, right? They saw it, they went on, they did something about it. I think it's fucking stupid, right? You didn't take any effort to actually remember when their birthday was. You just fucking woke up and it was already there on your phone. Um, so I didn't participate. I actually... For like four years in a row, I three days before my birthday, I actively like shut down my account so people couldn't wish me a happy fucking birthday and then popped it back up a couple of days after. I found that I don't even have to do that. I just <laughs> removed my actual birthday from anybody being able to see it. Like you can see the year, but not the, the month or day. And I like that better. Um, and the same guy, Jack, he's really good at remembering people's anniversaries, people's birthdays and all this stuff. And I fucking suck at it and don't put any effort into it. And I say that's doesn't make me not thoughtful, right? I'm thoughtful because throughout my life, I think of these people and maybe I shoot them a message and say, Hey, I was just thinking about you. Or, you know, I don't need, again, kind of back to what we were talking about earlier. I don't need your birthday to say hi to you, but maybe I fucking do. Cause I don't say hi to a lot of people. Right. So maybe I got this shit all wrong. Maybe I really need these, these reminders to talk to people. Yeah. And I don't know that there's a right or wrong to any of that you know like i have a good friend that is very good same thing he knows birthdays anniversaries wedding anniversaries of Mm. friends and people that he's known for a long time he's the guy he's (laughs) he's the one fucking guy that you'll get a phone call from i need to tell him my wedding anniversary yeah he'll call you and remind you that morning so yeah and you don't get a day before you get a a morning whatever i'll take what i know no he's that guy and and it's great like that's just and I think for him, I think he, I want to say likes it. I don't know if he likes right. it or not, but you know, that's just, that's what he does. And it is a way that he gives back. And what I thought about when you said you took that Facebook thing down, is like, you just robbed a bunch of people of some opportunity to feel good about themselves. Like who gives a shit if you like it or not? I don't care. People happy birthday me to death on my birthday. I don't even go on Facebook that much. Like I probably see it three days after my birthday. Right. And, but if it makes them feel good about themselves, what do I care? Yeah, you fuck know? them people. Now I'll say something bad because I know my dad doesn't listen. My dad doesn't even fucking call me on my birthday anymore. He just Facebook messages happy birthday. Like oh that one sort of hit me a little wrong. You right. know, like, come on, man. I don't even get a fucking phone call. Like the Facebook message, really? So but, uh, thankfully, the people in my life, like my mom and my wife, do not go on Facebook and wish me happy birthday. That would really like... That would bother me. I My think. dad's crazy. He's been kicked off Facebook because they think he's a Russian troll uh, for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he reposts every fake news article again. If he's wishing you happy birthday on Facebook and not calling you, he might secretly be a Russian yeah. operative. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. So, uh, but, you know, it's just like I've got out of a bunch of the participation of that stuff on Facebook. People messenger me sometimes right. and I don't get back to them. And for a while I felt like, I owed them some obligation to go in, like when I did finally see the message. Because usually I'll see the messages like 
two or three weeks later. Like, right. oh shit, I got some message. I don't click. You know, I'm like, I'm not fucking with none of this stuff. It's all annoying. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I've, I've been on the fence of deleting the whole thing for a long time. Um, like I realize people only invite to events through Facebook. Like you don't even get a fucking card to an invite on shit or a no. phone call. You just, it's a Facebook event and you're invited on Facebook. I'm you know, it's like a party tomorrow to all right. Facebook invite. Yeah. Yeah. So that funny. shit's crazy. Um, <laughs> But I guess that's just the way people do things now. It's easier. Yeah, it's easier. But it saves the planet, Billy. We're not sending yeah. out them paper um, cards. <laughs> I think, I mean, we all got cell phones, text messages. That stuff's True. pretty easy, too. True. But in any case, um, back to the to kind of greeting cards thing. So the other thing I thought about with greeting cards was like, and this is just a pet peeve. I'm going to go off the Christmas cards for a minute, uh-huh. is birthday cards. So fucking birthday cards seem to be super expensive anymore. You go in and pick yeah. out a birthday card. They want like six bucks for anything right. that's, you know, decent. And I'm the cheap ass guy that goes to like the 99 cent section or the dollar store and tries to get dollar store birthday cards. Because I feel like, especially for kids, like if I'm invested into a birthday present for you, I have a limit on like a cap on what money I'm willing to spend. Right. So, you know, as this is going, like the if, card cutting into it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck if, well, I mean, that's your choice. If you really need a card, then you get $5 less of a gift because right. I'll get you a fucking card or I'll buy your gift and wrap it and just write my name and marker on the front and everybody's happy that way. Then you get more for your, you know, more right. bang for your book. No, I agree. <laughs> when you were describing this, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, greeting cards uh, have a price on them, right? The envelopes don't. So I think I'm just going to go take a fucking envelope from a store and then make my own card at home out of a piece of paper because the envelopes are free, right? Yeah. Do you have to buy a card? It doesn't say that anywhere. (laughs) It doesn't say you must buy a card to get a free fucking envelope. There's just no price on it. Okay, try that one. Uh, I'm curious. <laughs> Walking out of right. fucking supermarket with a stack of envelopes. I'll do it tomorrow on December 21st. I'll get locked up all over again. Yeah, right. Shades of history. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, and that's the thing with Facebook and those things. I think they are attempts at communication and building relationships. And I think at some point they may be. And, and that's one where, like, I may be bucking the trend of that's just where things are going. That's how people communicate. That's how we do things nowadays, and we build relationships. Right. Um, I don't necessarily think it's it's all good or all bad either way. Just for me personally, like the the net sum of Facebook is negative. Just for me personally, I have nothing against people that want to have Facebooks. I get why they want them. I understand the whole concept. I see some value in it, but if I weigh the whole thing out, it's like, man, I think I don't want to participate in that mm-hmm. but then there's still that slight part of me that won't let it go you know i've gotten as far as downloading all my data because for a while you didn't used to do that you weren't allowed to even, they owned your data once right. you uploaded it now you can actually download all of it and save it to a file and you're supposed to be able to keep all your pictures and mm-hmm. posts and all that stuff um so i've done that like twice in the like i'm gonna delete my facebook <laughs> And I think I actually deleted it once, but then they wait two weeks or some shit. Uh, like, they yeah, won't yeah. just delete it. It's like, well, you got two weeks to change oh, your mind. Man, and I think I changed you. my mind. Yeah. <laughs> they got me. They got you. Uh, so I'm still I'm still on there at, in some level. <laughs> Facebook is interesting. I, I, you know, I know we're not talking about Christmas right now. I So I like using it for some of its purposes. Like, I like that I'm signed into Words with Friends on Facebook. And I can 
play words with friends with people I know instead of just random strangers without giving out my weird ass like words with friends ID, which is some ridiculous like pillow wall slash ceiling six, eight, four, nine or something like what the <laughs> fuck? Nobody's into that. Right. right? Um, I, I dis what I dislike about Facebook. I like being connected. I like being able to go on and see, Oh man, I haven't seen him in so long. And look, he's on vacation with his family. They're like, they're having a great time. Right. That's really nice for him. Let me throw a like his way. Right. To let him know I'm thinking about him. I hate that I scroll through and that's generally not what I see. What I see is people's opinions about a lot of shit. And I realize that I missed the days when I didn't know people's opinions about a lot of shit. Right. Like I liked people more when I knew yeah. less about their opinions. Cause I, I don't know. I, I just, it's really tough to watch other people's opinions when they're not pretty. Yeah. And I've noticed so much like I, in listening to different, uh, shows and different reports and different documentaries about the data sharing and data collection and advertising mm. and how all that stuff works like the behind the scenes right. kind of what's going on and what they feed you and what you know comes into your feed like just knowing all that has ruined the whole experience for mm. me in general i know all these ads are popping up on my thing you know it seems to me anymore maybe just because i'm aware of it but, you know, every third post is an ad for some shit. Yeah. And it's just like, it's almost like bad TV. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I'm, I'm scrolling through, you know, 10 minutes of bullshit to get to a five minute something I like to then get into 10 more minutes of bullshit. Right. <laughs> like, no, no, I totally agree. And that's why that. I mean by net sum. It's like I, I see the benefit that could be there. If I was able, so I tried to create it to what I want. So for me, what I like about Facebook is the community connection or the partnership connection. And I went through and got cleared out all people that like I was just vaguely friends with, tried to limit it to people like this is all people that I still know that I would see probably in the next year. These right. are probably people that I'm going to see between family members, friends, people in recovery, whatever. Um, I tried to limit it to just those kind of people. Then I started whittling out anyone that puts a political anything. You fucking hate Trump, you're blocked. You love Trump, you're blocked. You know, and I just stopped, not blocked, I stopped following. I'm just like, and not just one post here or there, but you know the people. Everybody Uh knows the people. Every other post is, we fucking love Trump, we hate Trump. Whatever, I didn't care. I was just like, I'm done with all that. I don't care about that. I can get that. I can turn on the TV and watch that. So let's get rid of all that. And what I really liked was seeing other family members and seeing their kids and seeing all the going on vacation pictures and all that stuff. Like, I liked that. That's right. what it was good for, building those connections. But that's not what the fuck I get in my feed. And that's like I've actively tried to play the algorithm like, oh, this is a person I like. I'm going to like their thing. I'm going to like this person's thing. I'm going to like that person's thing. I don't know. That isn't what pops up in my shit. So right. it's just gotten to be like, say. 10 minutes of garbage to get a five minute of, Oh, this is what I actually am here for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say, I don't know. I'm glad you didn't get rid of your Facebook totally because when you shared, uh, you know, about the podcast the other day, 
I do. I think that was like our biggest day ever of people listening. And I was like, oh, holy yeah. shit, people like <laughs> people like his Facebook, you know, share. And then I shared the shit on my Facebook and like two people listened. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like nobody listens to me, apparently. I well, so people thought we were interesting because we did. So I had a Facebook page. I don't know if you ever seen it. My running from normal Facebook page. No. So so I have it's probably still up there. I haven't done anything with it for a while. So when we first decided to sell all our stuff and travel around the country i did a facebook page and a blog called running from normal and i did some writing on there and i had telling about why we decided to do what we were doing and where we were traveling and what was going on so i did that for a hot minute and uh, it was cool i had i had a lot of visitors actually we'd actually written that on the back of our camper you know running from normal.com and people would go check it out so why why are you not sharing this there uh, cause I haven't done anything on that page in probably two years. So it still occasionally gets likes. Right. <laughs> I still occasionally get notifications that it gets likes. I feel bad because that was such a good com, like to me, such a good like conversation, such a good idea, like this running from normal, like right. stop trying to be like fucking everybody else. Just go out and have an interesting life and be yourself. Like that was the idea behind all that. Yeah. Like we weren't trying great. to sell everybody on the, you should sell all your shit and travel around the country. I don't know. There's probably a lot of people that couldn't do that or right. wouldn't want to do that or wouldn't like doing that. But it was more the premise of stop trying to fucking have the, house and the cars and the 2.5 kids and the job and like all that shit doesn't matter you know have an interesting life have a fun time enjoy your life and be somebody different i can't Um, believe you had a fucking blog because in like 2008 or 9 i wrote for a local music magazine and then when we kind of had a falling out with a guy and then i had a fucking blog for like a year (laughs) it was crazy and and i wrote shit and put it online and people read it that's I feel funny. like I'm a good writer, so I, I do pretty well at writing. I feel like I'm a decent writer. I almost wonder why I'm having a podcast. Maybe I should have a blog. Maybe we should have a fucking blog, Billy. What are we doing? Uh, so yeah, so I've actually thought about picking up the running from normal stuff and throwing some stuff on there and trying to trying to relate it now to and I think it does come back to a lot of the recovery stuff. It's like trying to just be a good person and live spiritual principles and just be different like get out of the arguments about politics get Mm. out of that you know what social media and what mainstream tv and what you know that the i think our culture is toxic to be quite frank and you know that stuff pits us against each other it's it's all the opposites of what i think make a good society right which is what leads to addiction and all the social ills that we have and if we pushed back against that and said, you know, that shit sucks. Let's be different. Let's not support, you know, mainstream media and all that stuff. And you are seeing some of that. There's, there's a lot more of that going on now than there has been in a long time. And I feel like it takes some time to get there. So when, when I first got clean, I don't think I could have branched out beyond the normal, right? Like at first I had to just get back over to the normal from where I was coming from. And look, I have this, I see this debate on Twitter a lot, uh, you know, there's especially one or two particular individuals who say that we shouldn't call ourselves in recovery and we shouldn't consider, you know, ourselves to have been sick and, and something's wrong with us. Like there was nothing wrong with this. And I don't know. I don't want to get into it. For me, it was easy to see myself as like having a fucking issue and being a human garbage can when I was out there and I needed help and I got that help and I don't feel like I'm that way anymore. Right. I don't feel like that's stigmatizing for me to say that because I believe that about me. 
Um, but I needed to first recover to normal, mm-hmm. right? I, exactly. I aspired to be, let me please be a part of society again, yeah. right? And now I think there there does come a time after that happens that we can do this. We can run from normal and say, you know what? Like, hey, I got back to society. I was a part of it. There's some shit in there that I question and I'm not so sure I like about it. You know, the whole consumerism and, and Christmas to tie it back into that a little bit. Like, dude, I remember my son telling me he wanted an Xbox for Christmas and he was like five or something. And I was like, bro, that's a little bit much on the money. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe Santa can't afford that. Right. This whole fucking Santa concept, which is another thing. I've cut that out of my yeah. life, too. But at this point, we were still doing Santa. And oh, yeah, Santa, he'll just make one. I'm like, this fucking bullshit, right? <laughs> These companies have done, sold me right. Santa, and now I can't get out of disappointing my son or forking out 500 bucks for an Xbox. Right. Like, this is bullshit. And so, yeah, I do think I can go past the normal now to the other side of normal where it's like, hey, there's nothing wrong if I don't want to teach my kids about Santa and I think Santa's a bunch of horseshit. I do. Right. I want to teach them about the real magic in the world, about people who love each other and help each other, not the fake magic of a disappearing Santa who they're going to be really disappointed in when they find out it ain't true. Yeah. Right. Um, and that sort of ties into, um, we had an experience with my son the other day. Um, we had got a phone call from my sister that my niece who lives across the street needed some help. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, just coincidentally, we had the opportunity to go help. So, you know, she had an issue where she needed some locks changed on her door. I happened to have a couple of deadbolts at the house that I wasn't using. They were from somewhere else. I had the keys for them. I had no fucking plans to use them at my house. So I said, yeah, sure, I can come change these couple of deadbolts. So I went over and did it and took a half hour of my time or whatever to help her out. So my son, you know, had come with me and we were walking back home. And he's like, you know, I'm really glad that we could help her out. And you know, I thought, yeah, that's great. And I kind of told him, I said, that's the kind of people that we are. That's our character is we are kind and we help people when we can. And when it, you know, when it's, when we can, we do. Right. And I thought a little bit more about that later. And the, um, what I've come to understand that for me to be is that's me being my authentic self. Like that's when my spirit is at its happiest. And I never knew that that's what, you know, happiness or contentment was. Hmm. Um, I thought that for the longest time, like you said, the idea was to get back to normal. So I spent my first 10 years of recovery, you know, doing all the things that you say, getting a job and getting the car and buying the stuff and mowing the grass and fucking, you know, this has to look right and that has to look right. (laughs) And we have to take these vacations and do all this shit. And, uh, it took 10 years of doing that to get to a point of, to go, Hey, wait a minute. This isn't really what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what everybody tells me I'm supposed to want. This is right. what everybody says success looks like. And it's not bad. It wasn't anything wrong with it. It just wasn't what really filled my spirit. You know, it wasn't what gave me real contentment or real happiness. And so, you know, then, it took about four or five years to figure out we wanted to do this traveling thing and that we were going to go out on the road and sell all that stuff and get rid of all those headaches and, you know, go travel around for a while. Right. And, uh, in that experience, you know, 
I gained a couple of things. One, I gained a lot of freedom from material stuff in that we pretty much got rid of almost everything that we couldn't fit into our RV and our pickup truck. And uh, as a bunch of people told us, so we took a bunch of shit, we put it in storage for like a year. Then I realized we paid a storage bill for a bunch of shit that we didn't even need. (laughs) So then we got rid of most of that stuff. We kept a few things. There was a few things that we actually kept. Um, But it freed me from some of that materialistic stuff. Like I don't need stuff to be happy. Stuff is nice and it can keep you, you know, convenient and it can make life easy. And sometimes it sucks not having stuff, but you know, you don't need it to be happy. And you know, what really makes me happy and really makes me comfortable in my own skin and really makes my life of value is, you know, how I feel about myself and how I feel on the inside, not how I look on the outside. So that's interesting. I just listened to, uh, and I happened to be with my wife while we were doing that Christmas shop and we were driving around. We picked a couple of podcasts while we were doing our driving and one was about things and the differences between some people who just love to have a thing, uh, you know, one guy went through an experience of like touching a piece of a flag that went to the moon or something. And he was just th- saying, man, I could touch this. And I feel the moment that they walked on the moon and just take it all in. And other people who are like, yeah, things are pretty cool. Fuck them, though. And uh, so my wife and I have this debate at times. So like she has stuff that people have given her that she says has sentimental value. You know, we had I think that her grandmother made us a quilt for our wedding, but we could never, we weren't allowed to use the quilt. It just hung on the wall. And like, I'm a very practical person. I'm like, well, what the fuck's the point of it? If we can't stay warm with it, right? If we can't ever use it, why are we just, we're going to display quilts. And we had a stack, like the grandmother made a quilt for every kid we had and for every event. And then as they got older, they got a new quilt. And there was like, we had a closet full of fucking quilts. I'm like, this is so ridiculous to me. Right. And she's like, we can't get rid of any of them. They're they're all important. They mean something to me. And I'm, excuse me. And I'm like, well, they definitely don't mean anything to me. And what I what happened to me? My father saved every fucking thing, right? Everything, dude. He would save the little white piece of cardboard that came in pantyhose packages back in the day because he might need it one day. And he grew up pretty poor, so like to save things for what you might need, mm-hmm. whatever. We'll do something useful with it. And so when he died, it was a lot of going through his stuff and realizing, I think out of anger and and really hurt, he always said one day he would go back through that stuff and like relive some of his memories Mm. and the way he died, he never got to do that. And I think in my hurt of going through his stuff after losing him, it really attached to me was fuck these things, right? Mm. These meant shit to him in his last moments. This was nothing. This was all for fucking nothing. Fuck things. That's not what matters. I'm not going to lay on my deathbed thinking about things. Right. And so I've just taken this like hard point stance of fuck things. I just, they don't mean shit. To yeah. me, right. Not totally, but for the most part, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have attachment to things right at all. Yeah. There's and a uh, freedom there. And it's really funny is. to tie this back to <clears throat> cards and, you know, Christmas <laughs> cards. So my wife is a, keeper of things you know we have so some of the things that we could not get rid of and we still have it we've put it in storage and lugged it around and hauled it fucking all over the country still doing another one we have a big box full of shit that stuff i shouldn't call it shit 
stuff that like the kids made in elementary school uh, when they were little kids drawings mm-hmm. and cards and you know pictures and crafts and just all this stuff my one my middle daughter broke her leg when she was like 16 months old right so it's her cast you know like stuff like that and she same for memories and so it was funny one time early on i think it might have been christmas or a birthday you know i was always like you know, just open cards, read them, and then throw them right in the trash. Yep. And she would like gasp, audibly gasp, like, oh, what are you, you know, you're not saving that card, you know, that I gave you. You know, right. that's this act of love and thought into that card. I'm like, no, I read it. I had the experience of the card, and now it's trash, you know, right. so I threw it away. So I'm going to go back and overdub that to say recycle. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, then a year or a few years later, we're sitting at Christmas, I think it was, or and same thing happens with my mom. You know, if my mom gets this card and she opens it up and she reads it and then immediately throws it in the trash. And my wife's like, that's where you get that from. You know, so in my family, right. in my household like that, stuff didn't ever really mean anything. Right. So it doesn't really mean anything to me. But it means something to my wife. You know, she saves all that stuff. She has cards that I've given her from a long time That's back. Funny. So interestingly, my mother, as she cleaned out years and years, like we're, I think she's still in the process of cleaning out stuff. My father's been dead for uh, uh, 13 years now. It's been quite a while, right? So she'll still give me every once in a while a container full of my childhood like finger paints and all this stuff and i go through it and i'm like this is fucking terrible right i don't want to really see any of this <laughs> generally there's one or two things in there that i find a little humorous maybe because right. i couldn't spell and i wrote a terrible story or something um and so my wife has held on to the same thing oh we got to keep all the kids stuff and i'm like why can't we just take a picture of this stuff take up no space whatsoever right except digital space in a cloud somewhere and then throw the shit away Right, they can still see it. It's in the picture, and we don't have to fucking keep it. And so I think she's actually bought into that. We can just take pictures of things and then toss them. Thank God, because yeah. I cannot imagine holding on to all that dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. That shit's awful. Oh yeah, yeah, it's on the fridge now, but it ain't fucking worth it. It's yeah. on the fridge because I, I love it. Hasn't even been on the fridge in a long time. It's just in a trunk, right? <laughs> Put away for. She says for when she gets old and is in a nursing home, she's going to have all that stuff with her, and that's going to be her memories. That's, that's the that's same thing my says. father said, man. He said he was going to like pull it all out and go through it as he got older in retirement, and he was going to have all these fond memories. And you know what? Like, he got lung cancer. He got really sick, and two and a half months later, he wasn't here no more. And that shit man. never happened. And see, I, I and I tell my kids this too. It's like. I'm about experiences like life is about living and having fun experiences. And, you know, those experiences can create memories, I guess. Um, But it's the time that we have together doing the things that we love, enjoying life, you know, living, loving and laughing together. That to me is really meaningful. And I try to teach that to them. Um, And just like, I've, I've told them a lot, like, don't get me wrong. If you guys want to be successful and want to have some stuff, there's nothing wrong with that. Fucking go get it, go right. work and get it. What's important is that, you know, what's in your heart. And I think for some people, stuff is important and there's nothing wrong with that either. It's not, I'm not trying to be so self-righteous. I think if you right. like stuff, you're an asshole. No, if you like stuff, go get it. But if you're selling your soul and you're chasing a bunch of stuff and you're not happy, but you have a lot of stuff, 
maybe you need to kind of look at that. Right. <laughs> you know. So I kind of I kind of buy into the minimalism theory to some extent of where I don't need like I want to have what I need. I don't want really want to have a whole lot of stuff I don't need. And that doesn't mean that if, you know, a picture that somebody gave me or or drew for me is meaningful to me that I need to get rid of it. Like it's fine to keep it if it means something to me. It's just that most shit doesn't. So funny enough, did you ever look seriously into the minimalist stuff? Because I like there was these guys that had a blog and they started this minimalist idea. I some podcasts about it, yeah. They were fucking too ridiculous. I mean, the guy had like one fucking shirt that he kept that he washed every day. It's just, it was like, right. all right, dude, that's overly stupid. And like, so, yeah, so, and, and with the minimalism I was listening to was kind of against that. It was yeah. talking about, hey, there's no acceptable number of things this isn't about that this is about if you want something keep it but really evaluate and if you don't want it get the fuck rid of it yeah and a lot of those were principles that we used for when we you know again because we did and the reason we went down that road because we had to minimalize when we went to an rv when you're living in an rv you don't you can't just take an unlimited amount of stuff it's like all right what seven t-shirts do i like (laughs) all right Right. what seven long sleeve shirts do i like you know and you're trying to limit your selection of things um so but it was funny that the real like extreme minimalist people were like ridiculous (laughs) right right so i mean yeah and to go along with what you said i don't have any problem with people who like things right i have a problem with my wife that likes things because that means i have to fucking have things (laughs) in general if it's in your fucking house i don't care if you like things um I think part of it for me also, and I'm just starting to learn this through some of my own therapy and step work and everything, is that I like to protect myself, right? And so a way that I protect myself, if I do put value in things, I can lose them. Hmm. A fire could happen and I could lose them. My, my little younger kids could get a hold of them and destroy them. And so to protect myself from that hurt, I just don't invest any emotion into those things to begin with. Hmm. Right. And so I don't know, maybe it's a defense mechanism that I hate shit. I mean, I just sat here and told you it it was born out of the moment my father died and yeah. I was in pain. Right. So it, it could be a protective factor more than a, you know, hey, I'm so fucking holy. I don't need things. Right. <laughs> right. It's not so much about that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. We got way off Christmas cards. We huh? did get off of Christmas. <laughs> and so to, to bring it back around yeah. to Christmas, uh, because I believe the title for this entire fucking episode is probably going to be Christmas sort of. Uh, I feel like maybe people in recovery who listen to a Christmas podcast around Christmas time, Christmas and the holidays are tough for a lot of us in recovery, especially if we're earlier on, um, and still adjusting to that. They might have been looking for tips on how to make it through the holidays, you know, Mm. and stay in recovery. And I don't feel like we've done that at all. So what's your tips on staying so a couple things that I've noticed uh, in recovery early on for me um, in our area, they do a Christmas mm. marathon. That's 24 hours, you know, meetings around the clock. And I think I spent my first year or two, at least a lot of hours at that marathon doing that thing, you know, hanging out, just being there. Um, because I felt more comfortable there than I felt around my family at that time. And it right. felt like a safe place to be. I just um, heard that announced like Wednesday. Night. Yeah. So that was always pretty cool. And they go on other places. I know they have quite a few different ones all around. Um, so if you look for a marathon that's going on around the holidays, you can usually find one. Funny um, enough, I actually shared that Susquehanna marathon at like the 8 or 9 p.m. slot 
when it was on the Main Street meeting in Northeast. It was at that location. Okay. Uh, and this was like 2009, maybe. I don't, I don't remember. I don't but I was like, yeah. Once we had kids, time. that stuff got really hard because, mm. you know, then we're getting all Christmas Eve ready and putting together toys. Right. And, and that's why that I had stuff. to do the eight <laughs> or nine o'clock. I was like, I can't do one of them overnights, man. I got to be home. Yeah. So, but I spent late nights there, you know, overnights there because right. um, it was comfortable and safe. Um, the other thing for myself is I, my, family tends to drink and mm. not my immediate family, right. but my extended family. And so we always kind of gave ourselves an out for a lot of family parties. We tried to show up, you know, earlier on time. Like if it started at five, we tried to get there at five and then hang out, you know, for an hour or two and then leave at like seven or eight, you mm. know, because that would just be the time when where people are getting to their third drink. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Right and it just seemed like this it. is probably the best time to get out of here. So we always kind of left that as a thing and, you know, gave ourselves those outs of like, we could still show up and be a part of and, and supportive, but you know, we definitely had an out. Um, I don't know. Other than that, you know, spending a lot of time with my immediate family has always been like Christmas Day has always just been me, my wife and kids. We don't do a lot of running around on Christmas Day. Right. We spend that time at home with our immediate family. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the marathon meetings. I do think they exist in a lot of locations where there's, uh, you know, more people, a lot of populous locations. They might not be so much in, in the rural areas even though we're pretty rural and we we do have that going on so maybe they do um maybe you need to start one if there's not one in your area there you fucking go join special events god damn it <laughs> be a service uh yeah so no but i think that was great i didn't, didn't even occur to me honestly because i know that's not something i'm going to do because i'm home with my family right so i'm not going to be a part of that um in general maybe on new year's eve because new year's means nothing to me but christmas eve i'm going to be home with my family for sure um but uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of recovery podcasts out there that people can listen to. Some of them do more of a format like us. Some of them do more of a format of just having speakers on or, or interviewing speakers. So if you really need a message or, or to connect, there's recovery podcasts, there's recovery blogs you can look into. There's a shit ton of online recovery communities is what I'm finding. Like I am all over uh, Reddit and Twitter uh, as recovery sort of. And then I have not moved to Facebook or apparently there's one on Instagram. I fucking hate Instagram for some reason. I really don't want to do it. I almost feel like I have to because it's like a huge podcasting community. Um, and maybe I will at some point. But so these are places that you can reach out and get live one on one, you know, interaction. Um, will it be immediate? Probably with somebody. It might not be the person you're looking for. If you're too scared to pick up the phone, if you don't have a phone number, these are places you can definitely reach out for just somebody to run some stuff by because um, it is a serious thing, man. I'll say I don't spend a lot of time around. So my on my Christmas day is immediate family, but there are other times when it's not immediate family that are around Christmas, right? Um, you know, my wife's extended family. I don't do a whole lot with my extended family. My extended family is pretty prim and proper too, so they don't really get to that point of like drinking in front of people where it would be obnoxious. Her family's a little more, you know, blue collar and they do at times. And it thankfully doesn't really affect me. Like my whole family knows I'm in recovery. And so it's just not something I can, I can leave if I needed to. Right. It's not going to affect me in that kind of way. I don't believe at this point. 
Um, but what I do know about my family in general is that those are the people that installed the fucking buttons to push on me, right? And so spending time around them at the holidays, sometimes it can get really easy for them to push those buttons, even right. if I've been gone from their family system for quite a while, right? I don't live with my mother. I haven't lived with my mother in a long time. My mother can push my fucking <laughs> buttons, right? She knows them all. She put most of them in. And that's something to be weary of around the holidays, right? I got to be aware of, hey, I don't want to be, even if I don't use, I don't want to be a miserable fucking jerk at a Christmas event with my family. And I can right. be. I can be the guy that's in my head like, my mother will never see her fucking grandchildren again, that bitch, right? <laughs> like, out of nowhere, it can just come on because some button or insecurity is pushed from a long time ago. And I think it's good to know that going in because it makes me more aware to not buy into that crazy thought that I have. Yeah, and and to me, that's the that's most of my life. This is the process of recovery has taught me that it's, you know, that same attitude of like first thought wrong. Right. How do I, you know, act the person I want to be, not the person I feel like being, you know, so many times I, I feel like doing certain things. I'm angry or I'm hurt or something said is insulting or offensive. And, you know, I want to lash out and uh, learning the skills and tools that I need to not be that person and mm. then kind of be uh spiritual in those situations and you know we had that a lot with my mom she was a difficult at times person to deal with um and then you know when she got really sick it was kind of weird to watch you know the difference the change in her she got older and she got sick um and to be able to really let go of some of those buttons and kind of kind of not Oh, I don't know. I guess it's a freedom of making amends and doing, you know, letting go of resentments, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. a lot of that happened. And I'm glad it did because, you know, I can look back on my relationship with my mom and not really have a, too many regrets. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, there's a few. There's always some hurts that I wish, you know, I could take back. But I tried to do the right things, you know, at the end of her life. Um, to, to make her life better and to make her happy. And, you know, there's a lot of things I didn't want to do, you know, for speaking of family stuff, we went to my mom's side of the family, had a family Christmas party every year. It was all her sisters and all my cousins. And it was half of it was annoying. I went this year and my mom passed away, you know, for a lot of years, I only went because my mom basically made me, you know, not made me. I mean, she couldn't make me, but she was like the guilt trip. Like you really need to show up, you know, we only asked you to come once a year. You know, it was the whole guilt trip to to come. So we would go. And, uh, you know, this year it was kind of different. Like she's passed now and she wasn't there this year. And I felt that, I really needed to go like in, I guess you would call it in her spirit. Like she would want me to go. So I'm going to go. Right. <laughs> and uh, I felt good about that. You know, I really felt good about that. So it's weird how some of those. Did you have a good time though? Or did you just feel good about going? Uh, I was okay. I went and socialized with people and, and talked to my, my wife actually said, wow, that I was surprised to see you socialize because hmm. I don't like big crowds of people. As right. much as I like to talk, I like to talk to three or four people in a corner and that's it. Um, but I really tried to make an effort to, cause I think with my mom's passing. So what happened, 
I think with my mom's passing and then watching some of my aunts and uncles, when I really look at them, like they're getting fucking old, right? You know, their time is short. You know, mm-hmm. if they're not listening to this, they might not want to hear that, right? But you know what I mean? It's, it's, <clears throat> you know, they're starting to have different sicknesses and different ailments. I got an aunt that's got Parkinson's, I got one that's had some heart issues, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like these people aren't going to be around, you know, all that many more years. And, you know, they, they have been people that supported me through the worst times of my life. You know, when I was the biggest piece of shit that I could possibly be, there were people that still loved and supported me and showed up right. for, you know, my high school graduation and some other things. And, you know, gave my one aunt, gave me a job when I needed a job at one point, you know, so there were people that loved and supported me. And now, you know, again, through recovery, I can give that back, you know, just by showing up at this event and saying hi and giving them a hug and how's it going and what's going on with you guys. And we're doing this and that, you know, it's just being a decent human being. Right. <laughs> like, and so probably wasn't the way I wanted to spend my Saturday afternoon, but, you know, I'm glad I did. It was the right thing to do. And my spirit feels better because of it. So, you know. I feel like often the thing that makes my spirit feel better is not the fucking thing I want to do in that moment, mm-hmm. right? But then later on, it does hit me as like, oh, that feels nice that I, I'm glad I did that thing that I didn't want to do. Right. Um, and I do think there's a balance there, though. I do think we got to do some things we want to do and like to do. Like, that's oh, important, absolutely. too. Well, um, I think in practice and doing the things we don't want to do, we also get that understanding that, like, Maybe that doesn't seem to be the thing that's going to provide the instant gratification, but ultimately it is really what we want to do because it makes us feel good later. Right. Um, not to not to change it up too much, but back to the – I know NA has a, a hotline number. Is yeah, another tool people area can has use, right? Number. Does AA have a hotline number like that? I would imagine, right? I would think so. Probably have something similar. Um, and so there, there's these hotline numbers you can use. There's uh, – you know, taking a step out. Like I think self-honesty is a huge one. Like we like to tell ourselves, Oh, I can muscle through this. I'll be fine. And like, just really understanding, Hey, there's some shit going on in this family reunion or whatever Christmas celebration. People are drinking. It's bothering me. I need to walk outside for five minutes and make a quick phone call. Right. Just that honesty to know that and to remove myself or remove myself for the night. I'd rather be clean and explain that shit a week later than, uh, you know, lose my sobriety in a, in a moment because I can't walk outside. Right. Um, and not to get back to a first, but, but like we hear about a first step, we hear about people talk about powerless and they always want to throw, oh, I'm powerless over people, places and things. And that's kind of true, but I think that's irrelevant to the first step personally. Right. I think the powerlessness that I'm referring to when I talk about a first step is that I don't get to control when the thoughts of using occur, I don't get to control when that compulsion or that desire to want to get high pops up in my life, you know, so I can be around a family event thinking I'm doing all the right things right. and see a couple people drinking and be like, fuck, that looks like fun. I think I want to drink. Maybe I can have a beer. Like that's the powerlessness of addiction, you know, right. and, and what I learn in recovery is like you said, what to do about that. Well, i step out and I call my sponsor. I leave that situation. I try to go to a meeting, you know, and there's some things I can do that I don't have to sit with those thoughts and let them consume or overwhelm me. Another tactic I learned, and this was in a, a, another fellowship, a S fellowship is called, and I've heard people now that I heard it there. I've heard it back in, you know, some other more usual fellowships for us, uh, it's called bookending, you know, where you, 
know you're going to do something that feels a little shaky for you. Um, and so what you do is you call somebody before you go in, you tell them what you're doing, you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then you go in for your amount of time and then you bookend it at the end too and call them back. Hey, yeah, I've spent my two hours there. I'm leaving now. Things went well, nothing went shady. And there's something about that accountability piece of that bookending that helps people to focus in the middle of it, right? And I, I kind of like that. I've used it a couple of times for different things. Um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of that one before? No. Oh, okay. Um, but I just thought of something, too, because I in my head I pictured something terrible when you talked about bookending, <laughs> so I'll just let it go. But Not Eiffel Towering. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another tool or thing that I've learned in recovery is to take another recovering person with you. You know what I mean? Take a friend, you know, whatever, take a, I've taken my sponsors come to stuff with me. Mm. Um, just, you can take another recovering member there so that you don't have to be in those situations alone. Um, and that you can feel the love and support of your, your friends and people that understand where you're at. So that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, we've definitely covered a lot of Christmas stuff here today. I, I guess that was the point of uh, a Christmas week podcast. Um, I don't know. Do you think you have anything else to add on to any of this? No, just Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, you know, or maybe if you're non-religious and atheist or agnostic and you don't celebrate Christmas, enjoy the next couple of days off work because I think everybody gets off work anyway unless you quite yeah. a few people a few places that are close yeah. that are still open but not Royal many farms <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah a couple of convenience stores that apparently yeah. hate jesus that they don't right. care so you know if you're not a jesus fan you know have a couple days to enjoy family and friends yeah i mean uh just you know in the spirit of christmas if you'd like to give billy and i a gift feel free to share the podcast <laughs> um with somebody that you think it might assist in their recovery because honestly look as much as we like talking you know, there, there is a hope that this is useful for someone to continue the top, you know, continue the conversation and thinking about growing in my life, right? That's what I want to do. The more I talk and think about that stuff, the better a person I believe I am. Um, so in the words of SpongeBob, don't be a jerk. It's Christmas. Uh, and I hope everybody has a great week. That wraps up this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred platform. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about or just want to add an opinion, contact us through Anchor, email us at recoverysortof at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at recoverysortof.